This is the Sound of Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does. He scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound of Foghorn. Brett Marshall, joined as always by my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki on this warmer February evening, February 9th, 8.13 at the time of this recording. Sam Uren will join us later in this show, so if you hear a choppy cut somewhere in there, it's because we're recording things out of order. We'll make it work for you. Uh, but she will be joining us to discuss what was a huge weekend uh, past couple weekends for the Minnesota Whitecaps, riding a little bit of streak, some hot players to talk about on that team, so looking forward to that segment. But um, let's check in with the fellas here first, see how things are going before we jump into uh, a bunch of Minnesota Wild topics as well. Zeke, how you doing tonight, my man? Uh, good. Uh, you know, uh, today, as usual, just about a couple hours ago, I was at Caribou for about two hours. I uh, got my usual coffee beforehand, so I'm plenty of... Hyped up, even though I think after yesterday, uh, if you saw my Twitter feed, I probably didn't need it. But yeah, no, and I don't want to go on too much about my coffee, but I did pass 500 caribou points on my account. So I feel like a rich man every time I walk in there, like I'm just doing the Johnny Manziel running money thing. But uh, anyways, no, I'm, I'm doing good other than that. Just been, uh, you know, spending the last weekend, uh, not a lot of hockey, so just been doing some other things, been uh, reading the uh, Game of Thrones book series, started that a few months ago, about halfway through the first book, which has been good, and I've uh, just been uh, just happy to talking to you guys again tonight. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've been keeping busy. Justin, how are things in the Baki <laughs> oh. household? Oh, not bad. It's my short work, short work week, so just been with the kids most of the week. I uh, got a pretty cool opportunity yesterday. got to skate on a, on the lake, uh, Medicine Lake. First time I've skated on a lake ever, and Sweet. my all just got to join, and uh, kind of, he was with one of Miko was with one of his teammates, so it was a really cool experience to be able to do that. It was, it was a perfect day for for it too. So yeah, hockey in its truest form on frozen yeah. water for sure. So mm-hmm. I don't I'm trying to awesome. think if I've skated on a lake. I for sure skated on my fair share of ponds. Um, I think yeah. maybe I did when I was younger, but it's been a while mm-hmm. since a lake. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not Minnesota in the winter if you're not skating on a outdoor body of water <laughs> somewhere. So. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, despite there only being, um, I think, just the one Minnesota Wild game since we last talked, um, we've got some mm-hmm. topics to talk about, some things that were 
hot topics on Twitter, some things that were hot topics around the league that we'll get to, um, just some opinions of our own that we've had over the last week, and just kind of an opinion-based show, um, another draft coming your way at the end of the show as well. Um, I haven't actually checked that poll from the last time, but I think the last I had seen, it was like you two were neck and neck, but I think I had pulled away with about 50% of the votes. Um which, Which we know I, we know why that is. We know you went with the good strategy there. I did. Well, the thing was, like, I'm like, I went with the fan was Caprice off, but what all the comments yeah. were saying, it was my Makar pick that separated me. Um, they because mm-hmm. I think the kind of the consensus opinion was like goaltenders forwards are pretty even. People gave me the edge on defense, mm-hmm. um, but some people liked the forwards a little bit better. But it was interesting to see people's opinions on that. Yeah. Always appreciate your guys' feedback, your discussions on those. They're fun little. All exercises that we do we hope you'll enjoy the one at the end of today's show as well um but that said justin let's go to you here um for just a brief uh, prospect update yeah it's not very big today i mean the first thing i'll bring up jack mcbain was the extra forward in canada scrimmage versus usa uh i can't remember exactly when the regular game start for he's their them, secret but... weapon they just didn't want to bring yeah, it out exactly they, <laughs> they didn't they want to show the cool. usa what yeah. what he's capable of exactly <laughs> leave this start tomorrow by the way for the men's okay. tournament Gotcha. So we can look forward to seeing McBain and Henches hopefully at least get playing time, maybe make some impact for the team. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, another thing is the KHL canceled their regular season. It sounds like they're going right into their playoffs, which affects players like Matt Vaguskov and Marat Huznadinov for us. Uh, today, Marat Huznadinov actually played in a game for, uh, let me look, it was the Sochi Winter Cup, and uh, he scored a goal. SKA ended up winning 5-4. to four. It's good to finally see his name again, kind of pop up because the KHL has been so not like they haven't been playing. So it was yeah, good to see him. It's, it's been nice weird. Time. I think I read something like 120 of its players or something at the Olympics, and on top of that, there's <laughs> yeah. COVID. There's the crisis in the Ukraine, like the Ukraine, right. Russia. Like there's just a whole bunch of shit going on over in Russia, and I think that was a big piece of it, but. Hopefully we get to see, you know, playoffs and still get to see guys like Guskov and, and Husadinov play in that environment as well. Absolutely. And then uh, Vladislav Firstov picked up his ninth goal of the season last night. A beauty. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> one of the prettier goals I've seen out of any of our prospects. I don't know if it was intentional, but he made it look real nice. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was... <laughs> I'm actually looking at it right now as we're talking, kind of going through the – I usually write down the prospect update, but it was kind of hectic today, so I'm kind of going off the prospects page. So, But, uh, yeah, he's got uh, three-game point streak, points in five of the last six, I believe, so he's starting to pick things up a little bit. And then the uh, last thing I have is our turn was finally up with Scott Wheeler and his prospect pool uh, rankings. Uh, the Wild finished third. I, I'd, I'd really say second because Buffalo doesn't really count. They were number one, but now I'm just joking aside. <laughs> it's cool to see us as a top three prospect pool. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think. I just... Yeah, go ahead, Zeke. No, I was just. Oh, you go ahead. You're... You're oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think you just. And I think this was pointed out by numerous fans on Twitter from our uh, very smart fan base. Um, just you look at, you know, the draft capital, the wild's highest pick in the last three years was ninth overall. And. You know, I don't know what the prospect ranking was before the Fenton draft, um, but I'm pretty sure it was bad, 20 like something. 20-something. Um, I, I remember there was the athletic fan survey about, like, the confidence in the team and the Wild were, like, bottom five. And you look now, they've got, you know, a top five team in the league 
and they've got a top three prospect pool and the work that, yes, we do have to give credit to Paul Fenton because a handful of these guys are his prospects as well, including the Wilds' number one ranked prospect in Matt Boldy. Um, right? He was Fenton guy. Was yes. it not? Well, sort yeah, of. Yeah, like a month before he got fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a Fenton guy. Um, we're ignoring the uh, Philip Johansson <laughs> blunder. Uh, yeah. But Adam Beckman, a Fenton guy. Jack McBain, a Fenton guy. Like, yes, he was a terrible human being, but his eye for talent outside of one pick was was, was pretty darn good. Um, mm. But, I mean, just to come that far in three years without, you know, with one pick inside the top ten and just finding value in the second round, the late first round, um, just just awesome. And, you know, we talk about prospects a lot. There's great prospect work being done on Twitter now, too, by, you know, our friend Spoke Z and the mm-hmm. Judge Buds podcast with the Soda Pod. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jake with uh, 10K, 10,000 Takes, um, does a great prospect covered as well. So tons of places to get info. Um, Justin's prospect page, of course, um, added to that mix. But I just kind of – I didn't want to go through – prospect by prospect and spoil Scott's article because that's not fair um, to him and all the work he puts in. So be sure you go and read that. But what we did want to do was just dive in to maybe just – let's go one name each um, on the list that just kind of surprised us that jumped out. You Maybe someone you felt was higher than you expected, lower than you expected. Um, and we'll go there. Um, and I will say that the top three were pretty obvious. It was Boldy, Rossi, Wallstedt, which I don't think um, really surprises anybody. So we'll, we'll, disclu- we'll mm-hmm. no, exclude those those three. Um, so, uh, Justin, you're the prospect, resident prospect guy here. So we'll go to you first on this one. What's Who's a player that jumped out to you? There's someone that you felt was, you know, surprised you either too high, too low, or, you know, in your opinion, it's kind of where you're at with that. I don't know if he's too high, but I was kind of surprised to see Jack McBain sitting at number nine. You know, he's having a great year at BC. You kind of see him take strides year by year. You see guys like Newhook and Boldy leave BC, and you kind of wonder what will happen with him. And mm-hmm. he ends up basically taking the reins to that team and being maybe their most important player this year. He's been out. And they've, been, they've been pretty bad with him being out. So you kind of wonder is maybe he the X factor of their team. So it's, it's really cool to see him take that next level of progression and, and kind of take the reins of the team. Yeah. And I think it's just a good reminder too, that not all development is linear that, you know, yeah. some guys are going to sprout a little bit later in their career. Some will sprout earlier. Um, and, the, and the key is to always have patience. I mean, there's, there's reasons that these players were drafted, you know, in the top three, four rounds that, you know, the scouts saw something in them and, yeah, Justin, as you said, you know, it's, it's been great to see, you know, with the when you lose a bunch of talent like BC has, to have him step up as a senior leader in that locker room and really seemingly take that next step. Obviously, you know, extra forward on Canada right now, but being able to make that team is, is huge too. So hopefully we get to see him in action um, as well. But I definitely agree that was one of the names that stuck out to me as like it felt deserved, but like going mm-hmm. into it, I don't know if it's someone I immediately popped in my head as like a top 10 prospect for the wild right yeah i thought he'd be outside the top 10 but yeah totally agree. i will uh just add one thing on mcbain i think uh, i think it was roots said this i think since he's a senior he's technically gonna be a free agent and that you know he's getting the sense that uh you know a bunch of teams are hoping he you know chooses to forego his draft rights or whatnot to basically choose where he wants to play i mean obviously he's not you know he seemed like a big player obviously he's not like a top end guy but roots has speculated that he thinks 
that's another guy if they you know want to keep him probably have to sign him and put him in the minors and burn the first year of his deal off or something like that so not again not that that's a huge big deal just i thought that would be a notable because i think I, I think he said that earlier this week or something but uh yeah no i think i don't know i think for me i'm a guy that can surprise me i don't know i don't know if rank being ranked 15th is you know can be really surprised uh for this guy because you know but I don't know. I still I feel like I was surprised kind of to see Philip Johansson even ranked or still on this list. I know maybe Scott or some other of these writers are, or scouts are a little more high on him, but it just, from everything we've heard, it seems like from Russo and from other reporters that they don't plan on signing him. And I mean, he's, I think he's been fine. It sounds like he's developed his skating more and is maybe a little more aggressive with his play. But I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's not huge, but just from everything we've heard, I guess I'm just surprised to see that. Uh, you know, he was even ranked as a potential NHL guy still, but I mean, it would, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, just kind of weird to me that after all we've heard that, you know, he's still, but obviously Scott has opinions, but I just thought it was, you know, funny that, or not funny, sorry, I'm going on that, uh, <laughs> that he was even thought of, you know, above guy like a Pavel Novak or a, or a Kieran Estorenko or, or a first job or something like that. Yeah, for sure. It was, you know, it, w- it was a pleasant surprise, I think is a nice way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, I, I think I think it's, un- you know, he has an unfair view in a lot of our eyes. I mean, my own included, sure. bec- because of where he was picked, you know, over, I, I'd have to mm-hmm. look back at, again at, you know, some of the players he was picked over. Um, at the time, I know Joe Valeno was one, but I don't really know if he's carved uh, out much of a career. Sam um, Dean is the other guy that was picked. Yeah, who's after. obviously having a very good Please. year. Um, in Toronto on D, which, you know, might not be the worst thing for the Wild to have right now. But, you know, I, I think you just you look and I think, you know, we, we've maybe been harsh on because, you know, we haven't, as we mentioned with McBain, that development isn't always linear. And I think defensemen, that can especially be the case, they can take a little bit longer. I think you see a lot more defensemen that are better, the best versions of themselves, maybe later into their, you know, 20s, early 30s, you know, like a Jared Spurgeon type. Yeah. Um, versus a guy who comes in as dominant, you know, from 22 to 27, you know, like your McDavid's, your McKinnon's, etc. So, um, I believe Scott mentioned he sees him as you know potential third pairing um, if everything continues to go well for him, which is great. Um, otherwise, if you know, even having him as a seventh defenseman, someone you can move between, you know, a um, you know a Kuzmin type that I think that Kazakman, I don't even know how you say his name, um, that they have <laughs> that they recently recalled. Um, who's the other guy they've kind of moved back and forth between Iowa and Minnesota this year and last year. Mermis? Mermis, yeah, that's the name I was looking for. It, it maybe ends up being one of those types. Obviously, that's not what you want of a first-round pick, but I, anytime I think, as a Wild fan, I think looking back to the 4 9 drafts, anytime you get an NHL-level <laughs> talent in the draft, it feels like a win. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, with as deep as the pool is, to miss on one pick in the last three years in the top four rounds is pretty darn good hit rate. So Yeah. And I did see Scott praise his skating, his passing, uh, passing puck moving skills. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a couple of years ago he was here for development camp, and I know it's just a small sample size, but I got to go there, got to bring my kids, whatnot, and I kind of had an eye for him just because. And I felt like he looked really smooth skating. Like that was one thing that stood out to me when I saw him at development camp, and maybe he just continues to improve on it. And Something about those sweets I mean, and smooth skating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in my dreams, I'm just like. See him skating. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say my pick is someone who came in um in the top seven, and that's Jack Pert, a most recent pick. And maybe it's just because I haven't had enough time 
Um, I don't watch a lot of NCHC hockey. I didn't really watch much high school hockey last year. I just haven't seen a lot of Jack Purdy. I don't think he's necessarily like the highlight reel type. Um, you know, not scoring, you know, not, he's a defenseman. So obviously you're not seeing him, you know, on all the highlight reel scoring goals and whatnot. But, um, I think, I don't know, you know, obviously Lambos and Addison are in there for top D prospects. And then to me, it was just kind of muddy between, you know, Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke, Jack Purd, and kind of who that next man up was. So I was kind of curious to see who that would be. And it didn't end up being Pert. And it just sounds like Wheeler is a guy that, you know, continues to rise for him. Um, and has since draft, I believe Wheeler had him in his first round, um, last year heading into the draft and the wild scooped him up, obviously. Um, I think it was in the forties or something like somewhere around there, like 45, 44, I think somewhere in there. Um, was where the wild ended up grabbing him, which was great. And he's having a great year at St. Cloud. Um, I mean, to, to be doing the things he's doing as a freshman in college on, on the blue line, especially is great. So I'm really excited to see how that development continues for him. I think you look at where the blue line's at right now. I think he has plenty of time. I don't think he needs to be rushed, and it's you know going to be great to have options on the blue line, um, especially as you know we as the the blue line they have now is going to have to undergo changes. You're going to have guys get older and move things around, but excited to see what he can be as well. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. saw him at the last minute become part of Team USA, the World Juniors. So, I mean, they're noticing him as well, and he's just. Kind of like covering all his bases between having a good year at St. Cloud State and getting added to the World Juniors roster. And, um, I watch a lot of NCHC hockey. I just haven't seen a lot of Pert. But between the other than the injuries he's had this year, he seems to be one of those guys that I, I have an update on quite frequently on the prospect page. Sure. All right. Well, uh, as always, do be sure to go check out Scott's work. One of our favorite beat writers. Uh, not just at the athletic. Holistically in the NHL with the work he does. And, um, you know, he's got a good affinity for, for the Wild and their system and the respect for the work that Brackett, Garen, and, and the Fenton crew when they were here did. So um, check out his work. Go check out the article. Read up on all the prospects. He's got, you know, two paragraphs on pretty much, I think it's somewhere close to 20 different players. So um, including, you know, your Boldies, your Wellstats, Addison, Lambos, all those high guys. So check that out. Thanks. To, you know, congrats, Scott, if you're probably not listening. But, you know, if this does get to your ears, um, congrats on, you know, finishing that and, and putting in the work and take a well-deserved rest. Um, but one thing we're not going to do in this podcast is take a rest. We got plenty of things to get to. And we are happy to welcome back to the show Sam Uren to talk a little bit of Whitecaps. Um, it's been a tough season for him. Um, but we've got, you know, basically two weeks to recap, and they were great. Um, we talked about how, you know, pl- last time you are on, how playing the Buttes could be like a nice get back on track. The Buttes were a team that have been struggling a little bit too, and the Whitecaps end up coming in. They take three out of the four games in the two weekends, had some massive weekends from a few of their star players that stepped up to bring those wins home. Um, just kind of want to get some of your opinions, your thoughts on a Whitecaps team that's on the up and up, maybe starting to find their game a little bit. Finally, they found the scoring touch. It seems hopefully a sign of good things to come. Oh yeah. I mean, the, like you said, you know, playing Buffalo, I feel like it was a reset for the, for these players, like coming out of the break and, um, you know, having that all-star weekend. And, um, but the first two weekends that we're seeing them in 2022 is, you know, the Whitecaps team that we are a lot more familiar with. And, yeah, you said it. The players that you know and love are doing what they do best, and that's you know scoring goals and playing good hockey. I mean, Ali Thunstrom scoring a hat trick over the past weekend. Like, go Ali! Way mm-hmm. to go! Like, that's insane. She's on fire um, right now. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's so cool. I don't remember the last, it had to be like two years ago now that the last time that I saw a Whitecaps hat trick, like in person, um, not that I was at the games, but it was, it's been cool to watch them, you know, flourish post that holiday break and, and this early part of 2022 and, um, you know, heading into like the home stretch of the season almost, um, you know, Jana, of course, is another one who, you know, has 15 points already on the season. I think she's like plus 10 overall, which is crazy. Taylor Turnquist, again, like her name keeps keeps getting brought up. I think she's just been such a huge, huge addition that maybe like no one really expected because she came from such a talented Boston Pride team that, you know, it's she might have got lost in the shuffle a little bit there, but Absolutely. I think Taylor's really found her place here mm-hmm. in Minnesota. And um, Patty Marshall, you know, r- her rookie season is she's having a great one. And it's all in the last name, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, like Audra too. She's having a, another fantastic season, and um, which you love to see. She's such a fun person off the ice, and as just like has such personality. I think. You can see it in some of like the social content that the Whitecaps have been putting out as of late, um, which I'll shout out. You know, Brenna Keeler there with the with the digital uh, team team quote unquote with the Whitecaps there. Um, but Brenna's been killing it on the content side and really showcasing. You know, all these athletes are so fun, and and Audra's definitely like one of you know she brings the party off the ice, and she's definitely an asset on the ice. I just want to shout out, I mean, you shouted out Allie's hat trick as well. John Curse, the big weekend. They did get, respectively, the uh, second and first stars of the week. Allie gets second star, four goals and assist on the weekend. Uh, Jonna picks up a goal and six assists over the two games uh, this weekend. So a huge weekend, uh, like you said, for some of the, the big stars in that team. Um, and I think it was Allie and someone else, I think, the weekend before um, that picked up some first yeah, and I think I think we highlighted that last week too, but good to, yep. good to call it out again. So, yeah, they're they're playing really good hockey. I'm excited to see what they're going to do this upcoming weekend against a really talented uh, Toronto Six team. You know, Toronto has joined the league with like full on fire and just like wanting to, you know, play the best hockey. And obviously, they have really talented players in uh, Soraya Tinker and. Uh, MGM, which I mean, Michaela Grant Mentis. I don't think anyone can say enough about the talent that that woman has. Do they get like Vegas cheat hacks when they expand into the league, or what? They must have. <laughs> I don't know. Like MGM, she. It's I'm. It's a shock that she's not, you know, in Beijing right now playing with Team Canada. That's how mm-hmm. talented she is. I mean, it's a shock that there's a lot of athletes that are not currently in Beijing, um, because there is so much talent in the PHF, but I think that's just a testament to the growth of women's hockey in general, that you have Absolutely. such talented players worldwide. Yeah, you know, I think you, you look at it from that standpoint. It used to be, like, every year it seemed there's a – I mean, it's still there, – there's that, you know, that core group of U.S. athletes and Canadian athletes that mm-hmm. return to these women's teams. But, you know, you're seeing, oh, we have, you know, first-time Olympian, first-time Olympian. It used to be kind of like – it felt like it was the same team for, like, two or three straight Olympics, the same players over and over. And now it's there's so much talent with these – Ladies coming up through college hockey, the growth in youth, the growth of the PHF. Um, it's it's so awesome to see. And to I think to have that on the national stage um, at the Olympics is great. And then, you know, obviously with, you know, the 
the uh, PHF being available in more areas this year with Twitch and ESPN Plus and the expansion of the league and these these women getting more benefits and being able to sustain themselves more as professional athletes, I think it's just been great and a huge testament, as you said, just to the growth of the women's game over the past. I mean, it's been exploding. I mean, two years, we could call it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're even... I think we're going to see even more of that. You know, we talked we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with, you know, the, the news of the investment from the ownership of, you know, all the PHF teams. Um, but, you know, just with the success, I think, of, uh, you know, the Olympics happening right now and everything that's, you know, going well for the PHF, I will not be surprised to see, you know, some of these, uh, you know, USA and, and Hockey Canada athletes coming over to the PHF and vice versa. I think, you know, that's that's the goal at the end of the day, right? We, we all want to just grow the women's game and, and prove that these athletes deserve it. Absolutely. Um, deviating back to the Toronto matchup, um, to put in perspective, Toronto this year, um, the PHF does their standings the way the NHL should do with um, three-point games. So they have wins, losses, Overtime shootout wins, losses, overtime shootout losses, three points for the win. Um, 11 games, 33 possible points to the Toronto Six, 28 points. They're 9 1 0 oh, 1. So just two losses on the year. Um, so they're going to be a challenging weekend, but like we said, uh, it seems like the, the the Stars have found their scoring touch. The goaltendings continued mm-hmm. to be great, finally getting that scoring support that we felt they lacked a little bit in the season. So should be an exciting weekend. Always like a good challenge, you know, especially when you're coming in hot. To see, you know, is is it real? Are we are we really cooking? And you know, I think even if they go into the weekend split the series, I think it's a big step, um, you know, after getting swept by them earlier this season as well. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's going to be a really big, you know, goaltending matchup. Toronto has Elaine Chuli, who has not lost a game uh, that she's played this year, which is incredible. And obviously, Lev, we talk about her every week. She's phenomenal. I think she's kept the Whitecaps uh, in a lot of games this year, and. Um, you know, touched on MGM, obviously their top, top points leader right now for Toronto, but you can, you can run down that roster and, you know, they're talented, but I think the Whitecaps have really found their footing and they're, they're right up there with, you know, the best of the best in this league. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that, yeah, we can split the series with, with Toronto and, you know, have these, have a positive you know, outcome that's going to motivate the rest of the season. Absolutely. Um, and I think the final big piece, pe- oh, wow, I almost, <laughs> almost got really weird. The final big piece of news um, is the playoffs are headed to Tampa Bay um, this year, um, or Florida, I don't know if it's specific, yeah, Tampa Bay, um, to Florida this year, uh, March 25th through 28th, um, down at the Advent Center there. Um, and all those games, the the winner will be, um, as we mentioned, just to continue to grow, will be awarded on ESPN2. So really cool to get really in front of that, really national audience, not just ESPN+. Plus. So pretty cool development there to have, you know, the big tournament down in Tampa, too, with um, playing for the championship as well. Yeah, that's going to be really exciting, I think. Um, it, was a, it was something that was talked about when I was still with the Whitecaps of, you know, wanting to have that national broadcast availability with ESPN and uh, there are many channels and so it's really great to see that the playoffs will be broadcast on ESPN too and um in Tampa that's such a cool you know different venue and I- I'm a little interested to see how things will work out with fans and traveling and um you know a lot of the teams I think rely on their you know family 
fan-based, um, friendly environment that, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how fans will travel down there. But on the other hand, I think it's a great opportunity to showcase, you know, women's hockey in a different environment. And I know that um, it's it's growing and there is a base for it in Tampa. So Absolutely. The Lightning, I think, have established that quite well over the last two seasons. Yeah, so we know there's yeah. hockey fans there. They got to turn out now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Prove to I mean, us your true hockey fans, Tampa. Show up. Show out. <laughs> yep. Not just not just like general hockey fans, too. I think uh, women's hockey, there's a base for it there. And mm-hmm. I know uh, mm-hmm. Whitecaps uh, defense player Sarah Bustad used to work for the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, for, for a bit of time there. So, you know, maybe, maybe she's got some tricks up her sleeve to get some fans in the stands there. But yeah, time will time will tell, but it'll be exciting. Maybe a try run to see if one of those expansion teams could find their way out to uh to the to the sunny state. Maybe wouldn't wouldn't that be incredible? I'm, I'm sure everyone would love a warm destination, you know, in the middle of a hockey season. That right? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Hard to blame them. I'm I'm headed to Florida in about two weeks here, so should be should be cool. Jealous. All right. Sam, uh, anything else to add? Wild socials, white caps, women's hockey, anything else you want to pitch, plug, tease um, before we let you go? Um, yeah, I mean, as always, check out the white caps on their socials and, and tune in on ESPN Plus. And um, I think everyone, wild fans, have seen the news with wild social legend admin Aaron Lowry leaving at the end of this week, which is a bit sad for me personally but you know i want to give a huge shout out to her for just you know growing this Mm -hmm. brand for what it is as a fan and um and then personally bringing bringing me in and and you know giving me the platform and the opportunity to step in and and lead wild socials for the time being so yeah yeah i think she she definitely came in i think on her uh her farewell announcement post she she mentioned you know wanting to leave the wild socials better than she found and i think she she achieved mm-hmm. that in spades. Mm-hmm. I think. I think you just seen. Sure. I mean, just the the interaction with the wild account in general, and like the community she helped foster and build. I think is a huge testament to bringing personality without being, you know, cringy. Maybe like some of the other teams tend to be at times. And puppy picks uwu. Like it's just, you know, it's not getting to that like cringy point, but like still finding a way to be fun. Um, you know, with the memes, you know, being creative with the videos and, and showcasing the players and, and showing mm-hmm. why this fan base and, and team is, has been so great. Obviously helps when we're winning too, but I think, you yeah. know, that's just made it all the more fun. So congrats, Sam, on a on a great tenure and best of luck, mm-hmm. whatever's next. And I know we're excited to see, you know, wh- where this leads to, who comes next and, and what that, that new person might have up their sleeve. Yeah, I mean, you said it best. She, Aaron really brought in uh, mm-hmm. such a great great atmosphere to the brand and i think it's just a testament to who she is as a person so dedicated and so passionate and uh, i i feel like it really came through obviously i'm gonna i'm a little biased like she's she's, (laughs) everyone has been my manager but she's she's a really good friend and and a really close mentor now and um, we're biased too friend of the pod so yep yeah it's she's a great person and I'm, i'm really excited about you know her her new adventure i'll let her you know, take to the Twitter sphere and, and break the internet that way. Um, I won't spoil it for anyone, but yeah, wish, wishing her the best. And I know personally, I'm going to miss her a lot. Absolutely. All right. Well, Sam, I don't think we've had you remind people where they can uh, kind of follow you and, and your, you, you personally. So remind everyone uh, if they want to tune into what's happening in Sam's life. I, I saw recently at a pretty good looking dinner posted on there. 
uh, different things like that. So tell me where they can tune into that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Samantha Uren underscore. So follow for all the like fun dinner content, I guess. I don't know. It, it's coming up on Oscar seasons for me. So I, I was a film major and um, Oscars are like a big time. So my my socials might tend to skew a little bit. Some toward... hot movie takes. Yeah, some hot movie oh, takes. Perfect. I would try to watch all the, the nominees. So um, yeah. That'll Perfect. be what's going on. Hockey and movies. Hey, it doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. All right. No. Well, thanks as always for uh, jumping in and joining us. And I uh, appreciate you coming on as always. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Right. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to touch just briefly next on the All-Star game. Um, and what Oof. was, I mean, maybe if you're like five or six years old, if you're a Baki child, <laughs> perhaps you enjoy yeah, watching right. it. Um, but if you were... I, I I don't know why I watched the entirety of both the skills competition and the All Star game and it was excruciating. Um, I did not enjoy it outside of like the breakaway challenge. Um, that was pretty much it. the uh, The fountain shooting, which we can uh, was oh, the worst thing I've ever watched on TV oh, in a long wow. time. Uh, but just want to get your guys' thoughts. Um, you know. We could talk about the Capri, what Kaprizov decided to do for the breakaway challenge, or any other just kind of takeaways you guys have from from the All Star yeah. weekend. Well, I gotta say, I just completely agree with you. It's you know, in the All Star game, I get that you know they're not gonna really try. It's it's supposed to be a fun game. They don't want to get hurt. I get that, but you know, you could at least try to skate or try to play the game. Like I know it's you know it's it's an all-star game. Like, you know, who really cares? But, you know, people, there's people who actually did pay probably hundreds of dollars to go watch that mess. And Sorry all for they got was basically, I mean, I, I think you would have better been better off spending, you know, a hundred bucks going to watch a, a beer league game at 10 o'clock. Or just throwing it down night. on a blackjack table. Or something. Yeah. It'd be way more entertaining uh, than what, and I mean, I guess whatever, but I, and you know, I think like, like you said, Brett, the breakaway challenge is probably the most entertaining thing i'll beat it's pretty low bar to clear and while i appreciate the creativity and the show of personality i you know i think like just said this he sent i can't remember the exact meme in the chat but it is supposed to be a skills competition and and i gotta be honest i have my doubts on whether trevor Zegos is actually wearing a blindfold i don't care if uh, he's blindfolded I, I know or I, not to, I know to I do that like, move he did without a blindfold yeah. like i don't i don't know how he picked up the mm -hmm. puck like on his toe like yeah. one-handed Trevor Zegers yeah. is fun. Screw you, John yeah. Tortorella. He's great for the game. <laughs> <laughs> I know I sound a bit like a boomer there, but I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think if that's the best NHL can do for fun, I, you know. I mean, obviously we know. And yeah. I will say the funniest thing maybe though is when they introduce the players, and especially like Connor McDavid, they just look all pissed off. Like, you know, it's like it's got that. <laughs> I'd rather guys, be a cobble. Look speaking on my of face. Uh, McDavid, did you guys see? <laughs> Um, he took over the CCM Instagram account. I think I think it was like the day before the day of like the skills, and it, it might have been even more excruciating than the All Star game itself. He's like, "These are the skates I showed you guys yesterday. Did you see the picture? Yes or no? Or like, which skate do you tie first, left or right?" And then it was like these weird pictures of him as like walking somewhere, like no commentary. Like it's a really good thing he's good at hockey because I think his personality is like. Manila. incredibly dry like i don't think Very. he's an exciting person off the ice at all 
yeah, sorry for the tangent there, tweet. but you, you mentioned no, me David, no, and it just it, cool. it, it reminded that to me. I was like, oh god. <laughs> and the and the picture of him with uh, Machine Gun Kelly was very awkward as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you think he? Do you think either of these guys know who the hell they are? No, I don't know. I will say I, I did enjoy but, Machine hey. Gun Kelly's set though during the Oscar game. I I like Machine yes. Gun. Kelly. I like the music. I thought it was, you know, compared to past musical guests, I thought they did a good job. Oof. Um, I thought better MGK than their was typical D list. Better right. than typical B C like, you know, like a, a really dated type. Green Day, I think, was like two years ago, and um, <laughs> yeah. So. Justin, yeah, I, any I, takeaways I, for you? No, not really. I I watched about half the skills competition. That meme he was referring to was the one where they're all in the office meeting, and the guy's <laughs> like, "What can we do to make the All Star Game fun, and exciting?" And the first person is like, "Fountain Challenge and MGK," and then it was like. The last guy's like, let's turn it into an actual skills competition again, which I want to see get brought back and get thrown out the window. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah, no, I, it, I couldn't watch the whole skills competition. It was rough. I did like the fact that Kaprizov did imitate Ovechkin because Ovechkin is one of my favorites outside of the wild. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, I didn't get to watch the All-Star game. Uh, I was at work, so I missed all that. So I, I don't really have much takes other than the fact that I thought the skills competition was pretty boring and crap. Yeah, I think the judges like didn't understand everything that went into the Kaprizov goal from, you know, the yellow laces to the tinted visor to I mean obviously the right-handed stick, yeah. the little water bottle thing at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Um but the best yeah. part of the whole thing is the guy sitting there trying to interview Kaprizov. Kaprizov oh, yeah. just giggles. I forgot about away, that. <laughs> goes in and scores, does the hot stick. I'm like, oh, that's just the most curl thing ever. Like, oh, I'm going to say yeah. go score a goal. I don't have time to talk. Um, I don't know why. Which I, I also thought was like, you know, the nice irony of like Ovechkin never wanting to go to the All-Star game. <laughs> just like, ah, you know, maybe one little like hidden piece of flair. They're not sure if that was the intent, but a way mm-hmm. I interpreted that as well. But um, I will say, Zeke, the one player who did appear to try during the All-Star game was Cam Talbot. Um, that yes. is as good as I've seen Cam Talbot play outside of, um, the shutout before. Um, like he, he had this sequence of saves in the, in the central's first game where there's a pass that went back door. He reaches out his paddle, like backwards behind him, swats it out of the air to save a goal, but swats mm-hmm. the rebound right into the slot. A guy comes down like one times it and he pushes across, makes like a toe save again. Um, I think Bednar even said like, that was our best play of the period during the intermission but i mean he looked i thought he looked like one of the better goalies at the all-star game mm-hmm. i think he went five for five um in the goalie save streak challenge um shout out uc saros for blowing that for us um, <laughs> <laughs> and also uh screw john gibson for stopping Kirill's signature shootout move with a little chip shot mm-hmm. he was ready for it got the glove on it um but uh, i do like john gibson i think he's one of the most underrated goalies oh, yeah. of the last probably 10 years which i think mm-hmm. we've talked about on this show before but um it was like, I think Cam Talbot kind of, you know, made me shove my foot in my mouth. I was very adamant he shouldn't have been in the All-Star game, and he looked great there. And I'm, I'm, you know, it sounded like it was a great time for him and his family. And I think ultimately, you know, for these players, I think that's more what it's about for a lot of them is, you know, obviously Kaprizov got to go with his mom and dad. And I think, you know, being able to share that experience with their families, their kids is, is pretty cool. So happy that, um, you know, the players at least enjoyed it from that aspect of things. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty awesome to see those pictures of Talbot with his—I believe it was his daughter—yep on the ice, just kind of mm-hmm. taking in the moment with her. It's, you know, just a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's kind of a—I I don't know if lifetime achievement award is maybe the right thing, but I think uh, 
obviously, like Brett said, by stats wise, maybe thought he should have been there, but uh, you know, hard to uh, you know hard to give the guy too much shit. And and like you guys said, it was uh, and like you said, Brett, that is obviously you know the most important thing. I mean, I can remember with Devin Dubnik and Eric Stahl last few times, even when they weren't maybe their best player on their team or maybe the best pick, it was kind of a similar thing where they're both just you know obviously thrilled to be there with their kids, like you said. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that was nice to see and. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's just it's the All Star game. There's nothing really you can do to make it more exciting. I mean, I know they went to that three on three thing to you know open up the skill more, but there's only so much you can do. But uh, you know, at least they're at least they try some new things at the very least instead of doing the same thing all the time. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them that. that. They've tried to be innovative. Um, the try. last thing I'll yeah. say, if you didn't watch the uh, the Fountain Challenge, picture like a parody oh. golf announcer announcing an event that's never been done before um the commentary when jocelyn lamory went up was beyond cringy um but it was the players i've never seen the players look so disinterested like none of them were like excited to be out there they were like roasting the commentator back and it was just i was like this is terrible um i mean hey like again shout out for the creativity trying something new but please never do that again that was terrible at least get a different host should have been like yeah, Charles let's... Barkley or something. I don't know. I mean, it was ESPN's broadcast. Yeah. That wouldn't work. But um, give it to TNT next year. Let's see what they can do with it. Just don't include yeah. Anson Carter. For sure. <laughs> um, oh well, let's let's give back um, to the wild here. Um, as we mentioned, just the one game since we last talked. That was last night against Winnipeg. Not the wild's best effort. A whole bunch of shenanigans in the game. Physical game. Gritty game. Um <laughs> To say the least, um, all starts early in the game um, with Marcus Foligno getting kind of a high blindsided hit from Brennan Dillon and then a fight breaking out to Jordan Greenway, jump to his defense, and then when Foligno's like, nah, I got this myself, Adam Lowry steps in, fights Foligno, um, tempers with that line, continue to flare the rest of the game, um, and then Foligno gets a little carried away at the toward the end of the game, fights Lowry again, and then um, stupidly... Um, you know, at- attempts to knee him or may have actually kneed him in the in the head um, after their second fight of the game. And, you know, in the heat of the moment, he talked about being competitive. I, I get that. But just an un- inexcusable play from a guy who, you know, very rarely engages in that kind of stuff. Um, and the Wild end up losing that game 2-0, almost 3-0, um, but for the second time against Winnipeg this year, an empty net goal called back due to an, a very obvious offside. Um, yeah. But a sloppy game through and through, and I think you know the grief squad spending you know half the game in the penalty box definitely did not help. Um, and the Wild couldn't seemingly yeah. get any uh, any penalties to go in their favor either. Just one power play last night, um, and outside of the Capri soft line, they just didn't have it at five on five either. Yeah, they they definitely looked like uh, def- didn't look like the Wild team that we're used to seeing. Uh, maybe it's too much partying on the break. Who knows? But. Uh, outside of Kakinen, there there wasn't much pluses to really take away from that. I, I mean, he gave us a chance to stay in the game. Uh, just gave up the one goal outside of the empty netter, and yeah, it was. I mean, it was our own play that got us the loss. It, it was kind of surprising to me to see us get only one power play out of you know that whole game with how kind of physical and and uh, all. The mayhem kind of went on. You saw Kaprizov kind of get his helmet ripped off, and I'm not making excuses. It's just kind of weird to see them get four power plays and us get one out mm-hmm. of all that. And it was just, yeah, we didn't play like like we didn't deserve to win, but I felt like, uh, yeah, 
I mean, just, I, I will credit the Jets. I mean, they found a way to get under the wild skin, and yep. it worked. I mean, mm-hmm. whether or not you agree with the calls or not, you know, I right. think that's th- they came with the strategy. Like, hey, we're going to hit this big line early. We're going to get them frustrated. Yeah. We're going to go on the power play, and it worked for them. Um, right. And they also they credit they did, wow. I'm ahead of myself. They defended incredibly well throughout the whole game too. They were clogging up the neutral zone. Um, the amount of turnovers the Wild had, I think, between like the uh, the offside dots on top of the circles last night were just terrible. The Boldy Fiala Gudra line especially terrible in that area last night. Tons of turnovers by all three players, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's much else to add. I think that the second period was okay. They started. To, they had a couple of chances. Then you know they played a little better, but. I think, you know, I mean, it's really not surprising. I mean, he could probably could have, in a way, figured that was coming just, you know, after being on break, on vacation, you know, maybe don't have the same edge that they had even just a week ago. And I think, you know, like, I think Everson said that, or somebody said that, you know, they just refused to get the puck deep. And I mean, when they pulled the goalie last night uh, to make six on five, I mean, you know, I, I still was thinking, oh, even though they've played like shit, I mean, you know, they always score six on five. So, you know, we'll eke out a point here, but they just... Uh, Every time they skated the puck towards the blue line, someone tried to do toe drag through the legs between three guys, and yeah, or like these ridiculous cross ice passes through like five player yeah. skates. Like it's like, what are you guys mm. doing? Yeah. Also, Jordy Ben was... and Freddie Goudreau were out there at the net empty. Don't understand that, but that's a story for another time. Well, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it was just an ugly game, but uh, okay, I think. You know, I'm I'm gonna try. I'm gonna I'm settled down, so I'm not gonna go too long in this. But I have to say some words about the officiating, and let me preface this, uh, if that's okay with you guys. I won't go too long. Uh, right, your time starts now. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> none of this, and I said this. Try to say this to Twitter. None of this is an excuse for kneeing a guy in the head, Marcus Lino. That's not the point. You know, that's not what I've ever tried to say. Uh, maybe it came across that because I was just. You know, just firing away on Twitter last night with reckless abandon, not really giving a shit. But I got to say, I put a lot of the blame for all that crap in the game last night on the officials and just them sucking at the jobs. This is, and let me say, this is a problem that happens in every NHL game. We saw it, every team, we saw it with Dumba. He gets assaulted by Anders Lee and somehow he gets the double minor and then he's hurt. Ungodly reason, unknown reason why that happened. Yep. And last night, obviously, like like Justin, I think mentioned earlier, or Brett, somebody did, one of you guys did, with uh, Brendan Dillon's blindside hit on Felino or in the game, runs the guy from back, you know, which is a penalty, should be a penalty. I don't think it necessarily has to be fine, suspended, or anything like that, but by rule, it is a penalty. And you, I mean, have you could have called it, you just, could have called it charging, you could have called it interference, yeah. you could have called it, you know, an illegal blindside hit. Like there are many, like it was mm-hmm. an infraction in many ways. I agree with you, not suspendable necessarily, but like it. Yeah, it, it wasn't a clean hit. Yeah, and you know they just stood there, stood around, watched it happen. And I mean, even a guy like Eric Sinek, who was obviously the most composed of that line, was getting punched around in front of the net all night. And you know they just let that stuff go. And and like you said, Brett, that was good by Winnipeg to play that way. It's obvious that that's what they need to do to get the Wild after style and win that game. But it just it just infuriates me to no end to watch every game these officials. I mean, if, you, if you're in any other job and you continuously suck at your job, ignore your responsibilities, like you walk into work every day and your boss comes up to you and says, hey, I need you to do this, and you just tell him to F off. That's basically, I mean, it's not a good, necessarily perfect comparable, but if you just continuously don't do your job well, you know, you're not going to keep it, but they just, the NHL doesn't care. And by not calling the rule book, 
they are opening the door for stuff like what happened to Marcus Foligno to happen. Again, not an excuse. You need to control yourself. But if the if the, if they just called the game by the rule book, you know they would avoid all the fights and the thuggery and the constant screaming and cursing at each other. And and it's not necessary. I know the NHL. They, they you know you can obviously a lot of fans like the physicality, like the fighting. I'm fine with fighting because it serves a purpose at times. But I don't get why they're so insistent on, in a way, protecting, you know, the, the guys at the bottom of the lineup who are out there to play the physical game and to fight. Like, I know you could say, hey, there's bad refs in, like, the NFL, for example. Like, they'll call quarterback roughing for literally breathing on the guy. But at least they're doing a thing to protect their exciting players and the face of their franchise. Where in the NHL, you know, they could care less. And I don't know. I, it's just... It just, I do not understand why they continue. They just, they just miss calls. Like mm-hmm. it's not, I, I don't, it, it shouldn't be that hard to just call the rule book. I mean, if you're going to have a rule book, call it. If not, just let them do what they want. No icing, no offsides. Uh, you know, the goalie can skate up in the play and shoot the puck, anything. Then everything should go. But if you're not going to call the rule book, then, then don't have a rule book because what's the point? And, and I mean, I, I can, does anybody, do you guys remember a few years ago when the NHL came out with the ad that said, no soap operas, just hockey? So and it was this dumb. thing like, we're, we're not dramatic. We don't have anything. It's just hockey. We're tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a soap opera when you have three guys fighting each other three times in a game. Yep. That doesn't need to happen. And I don't know, just to wrap up, I just think it's it's just frustrating that. And yeah, I mean, I'm probably biased. I'm a wild fan, obviously. But I think it's just if you watch any NHL game, it happens every time where you, you know, you're allowed to, I mean, even tonight, I think uh, it was Duncan Keith got rammed into the boards or something, or there was some other hit in that game, no call. And how many times it happens, it's just, it's just infuriating to watch that, just to watch it happen. And it's, I don't know, it, it's just, I mean, we, we know they really don't care about player safety, uh, but yeah, it, it, it just boggles my mind that they can just stand and watch obvious penalties on all teams, go on all game and do nothing about it. And then when something bad happens later in the game, they go, well, why'd you do that? Like, yeah. It definitely stumped, feels but... like there's, you know, some sort of lack of accountability, like, you know, Oh, yep. Missed that call. Nothing happens. Right. Like there's no yeah. disciplinary action for them. At least that we know of that's made public where it's like, Oh, you know, you're yeah. not going to be able to ref the next three nights. Cause you kind of screw that up and we need to pull you aside and, you know, maybe walk you through again. I think the other thing for the me, only, and, it, and it's like, it's like a minor thing, but like, mm-hmm. you know, coming into this season, there was all this talk about, how they were going to crack down on cross-checking. And, you know, for the first, you know, two, three weeks of the season, I felt that was the case. I remember, like, right, like first game of the season, Matt Dumba goes in the corner, like, two hands a guy in the back, and got called for cross-checking. And I'm like, great. That's what yep. they said they were going to call this or are calling it. And then after that, like, first month, it hasn't been called again. I believe it was a wild game two weeks ago. There was a play where I think it was a Blackhawk player or something, like, Got cross like he cross checked him like three four times mm-hmm. and the referee even went to the box and went cross checking four times like why didn't you call it the first three times like <laughs> I, like why should it take four cross checks to call it like it's very black and white mm-hmm. if you have two hands on your stick you extend out and you hit a guy and knock him down it's cross checking why isn't you know it's it's just a little inconsistency yeah. like that that's driving me insane or like okay you called this early in the game this tripping this same thing happened later why didn't it get called then even if it's same mm-hmm. team other team like it just the wild inconsistency is what drives me insane. And I will say, Brett, on your point of, you know, we don't, I think the only time we ever saw an official or somebody being held accountable was, uh, I can't remember what his name was last Tim year Peel. in Nashville when, 
yeah, when Tim Peel was on the mic, and uh, I know he's all over Twitter and seems to be interacting with people a lot, but he, I think he was retiring that year or whatever, so maybe that played into it. But he basically went, oh, I need to get penalty on Nashville. And like, and then they, they, they basically fired him and said, see ya, have a good retirement. And it's like, we know that, that they do that where they say right. we got to get a makeup call. Why do you think it happens, like Brett mentioned, when a team's on a power play and a guy gets – like Matt Boldy, I, I think it was against Montreal a few weeks ago, oh, had the God. puck in the corner. The guy rams him from behind the boards and they just stand there like, oh, I don't know. You're on the power play already, so I can't give you another call. Mm-hmm. It's like it does. it shouldn't. It's just situational, and yep. like I said, they don't they don't care because that's the kind of game some of the people that that are that run the league still like. I mean, I I just don't get why because it's maybe the most exciting and fast the game has ever been. Why you want to allow that stuff to drag you down? But you know, it, I mean, it is what it is. It this happens. Everyone has to deal with it. So I you know I can't whine too much. But uh, yeah, no, I've uh, I've said personally what I what I feel like I want to say already so i don't know if justin if you have any more thoughts than i do but uh man i'll just add it it does seem like they miss a lot of like you see Connor mcdavid get a lot of attention on not being able to draw penalties when you know there's obvious penalties to be called you see it happen to kaprizov you know like last night i I saw him get his helmet knocked off i didn't see how it happened but i I felt like it was probably a penalty yeah. Uh, who knows? But uh, I mean, yeah, it's just like, yeah. I mean, to your point, Justin. Like, I love that Jewel Eric Snek draws penalties, but like, mm-hmm. how does Connor McDavid not draw penalties at an right. equal or higher rate? Like that dude can. Right. Like you're telling me that dude isn't getting hook slashed, like stick infraction every time he takes the puck up the ice. He's too fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 so bizarre. Yeah. Do you guys remember that thread from the last couple of playoffs? I think in the spring. I don't. I couldn't yeah. find. I couldn't find it. But they posted yeah. all the things that. He went. I think Rachel Dorier was the one that had that thread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think she did. And no calls. It's like that. Yeah. Like that doesn't make it's. I'm, yeah. I'm done. I don't. I, I don't need to keep going. Um. Uh, yeah. ooh, uh, the well, the the last thing I want to hit on here is I think you know obviously we all agree that you know regardless of what led up to the Felino situation, what he did was dumb. Probably warrant some sort of suspension. Um. He has, I believe, his hearing. Um, it hasn't been scheduled as of yet. Um, they did. They had to do the Marshawn one today. Peros mm-hmm. did. Um, he got a six-game suspension for his antics um, and in Pittsburgh the other night, which is kind of a shame for him because I think he'd kind of been off that radar for a while and seemingly cleaned up. But mm-hmm. just you know, a fuse. You know, much like Felino, I think a fuse just kind of blew last night. Lost his cool. So he got six games. Um, what do you guys think? It's not. You know, he didn't get an in-person hearing, so it's not like a more than five-game situation. He doesn't have a history of you know being suspended um i think you definitely can argue it was a heat of the moment thing um what do you guys think first of all do you think he should be suspended um and secondly what do you think the term what do you think a fair term um would be if you do believe he should be suspended uh personally i think he should be suspended do i want him to be suspended of course not but i mean he this first time he's a first time offender i'd I hope it wouldn't be more than two games. You know, some people argue, give him the five, but uh, I just feel like he's been such a good, I mean, he plays physical. That's his game. Yep. He's usually got this sportsmanship about him when he fights. Like if someone's in a precarious position, he'll stop the fight. He'll, yeah. Like the, you like know, the one last yeah. year, the guy's face is like yeah. gash. He'll be like, ah, I'm, I'm not punching right. you again. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not that type of player. It was a heat of the moment situation. I'm not excusing it. But uh, I'd give him 
maybe like two games, kind of get the point across, never do it again. And I think he's one of those players that this will never happen again. So, mm-hmm. you know, get him back for the next Winnipeg game, maybe miss uh, Carolina and Detroit. And, uh, yeah. Zeke. You don't want to see that grief line split up. That's the biggest thing that hurts is that that line yeah. split up for as long as he's gone. Exactly. So. True. For sure. Zeke, agree, disagree? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much agree. I, you know, we got to put away the, uh, the the wild fan bias in me. And, I mean, if you're hoping there's – the only thing I would say that we've seen similar to our official discussion that the DOPS is not always great at their jobs. So, you know – Whenever this happens, these kind of things happen, I think, oh, it could be anywhere to a $1,000 fine to six or seven games because you just, they spin the wheel, as Justin said last <laughs> yep. night, spin the wheel of punishment, see what happens. But no, I think, I don't know, I think I was listening, I don't know if you guys listened to Russo's Straight From Source podcast today that he posted like three hours ago. I did not get a chance ago. to get around to that one. But yet, he nope. essentially said that, you know, like Justin mentioned, their third game, uh, you know, after Carolina Detroit is in Winnipeg, as he mentioned, and he thought that. The only reason it might be past two games is because they don't want him to throw him back into Winnipeg where, you know, you might be able to imagine either him or somebody on Winnipeg or somebody in the wild uh, starting something again. But I don't know. I think, I think like Justin mentioned, if you're, you know, it's the first time he's really done something like that. He has a history of respecting, you know, the opponent in that way. Uh, obviously, you know, like, like you said, doesn't excuse you know, you got to control your body. You have to control your emotions, you know, just like any person has to do in normal life. But I think at most two games, uh, I think is fair. I I don't know. I'm trying to put aside my bias and, and not say one, but I think two games fair and and we'll see. I mean, I know Russo did say too that, you know, he's from what he knows. I mean, obviously, as he mentioned, he was going to have George Paris on his podcast today. I'm yeah. all, all shit broke loose last night. And mm-hmm. he said that he thinks a lot of the, People in that department in the league respect uh, Marcus for how he plays and the kind of person he is. So I don't, I don't think obviously since he didn't get a in-person hearing on Zoom that you know it won't be very long. But I think, I don't know, I, I, I think two is probably fair. I agree. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I think two games is fair to me. It's like one is like one feels like kind of like a slap on the wrist. Like yeah. I mean, like there's you know, I get like a, a vicious slash or something. You know, is a, a fine. You know, this is more than a fine. It. It's it could have seriously hurt Lowry. It didn't, thankfully. Um, mm. And I, I the the three game piece with that game being against Winnipeg makes sense, I guess. But like, is that right to like per, like hand out an extra game just because of what you think might happen? Like that doesn't seem fair to me. I guess uh, I think two yeah. games gets the point across. Um, no history. Um, I, I think two games feels right. Um, if it's less than that, great. If it's more, whatever. Um, but I think I think the agreement is at least two here probably feels right, but probably not more than what, four, mm-hmm. um, which I feel that would be excessive. But two or three probably feels about right. All right, sure. moving on. Better things. Um, <laughs> so love you, Moose. Just keep your cool next time. Um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which we kind of skipped over in our original agenda, was a – I would say a good conversation we had um, with our friends over at uh, 10K Ranks yesterday, Tony Abbott, Joe Bully, um, and I believe uh, No Salary Retained, I forget his actual name and his No Twitter handle, jumped in on this discussion as well with Zeke and I. It was just about, um, you know, it was about the Wilds' usage and development of Marco Rossi. 
Um, and just to kind of frame the debate, I wouldn't say it was an argument. I think it was it was fair. I think both like both sides were understanding of the other's viewpoint. One just feels more strongly with one way than the other. Um, and I think the viewpoint that Zeke and I share is that the Wilder in a place where they've won, you know, nine of their last eleven games. They're scoring at a pretty high clip. They're playing well. The chemistry's good. They're you have a cap crunch upcoming. Um, and like we just don't feel that you know does adding Marco Rossi to the roster right now probably make the team better? Sure. Does it take them to a whole nother level? I don't know that it does at this particular moment in time. Um, but what our friends Tony, Joe, and and the other fellow in the conversation argue is that it does kind of take them up to that next level. That you know it's it's you know they they feel his skills ready that he would come in immediately make an impact help the team. Um, there was a PDO argument in there about the Wild, you know, scoring an unsustained rate. I fired back with the argument of, well, does Rossi help them maintain that unsustainable rate? There wasn't really a clear rebuttal to that point. Um, you know, maybe because I think Freddie Goudreau brings you the defense that Rossi has. So maybe your argument is he brings more offense, but the offense has been good. Um, so I just kind of, so that was kind of the framework of the argument. Zeke and I kind of threw our opinions in there. So I guess, Justin, I kind of want to get your thoughts since you weren't as engaged in the thread as Zeke and I like to participate in those, I think, a little bit more than you do. Um, you, you're good. You keep your nose out of the arguments. Um, it's smart. Um, <laughs> but just kind of want to get your thoughts on where, on where you feel like, do you feel like the, the Wilder are holding Rossi back, or do you, do you feel like the decision to keep him in Iowa as of now is the right decision? Uh, well, I will start off by saying I do sit back and see these conversations. I do get my nose out most just, of the time. You just got Sometimes the popcorn in hand. Yeah, I am. I'm just like, I'm, I'm almost like having rebuttals with myself. Like, no, nah, man, you, but <laughs> uh, kind of having a conversation outside of the conversation that's not seen. But, you know, I, honestly, in this situation, I trust Bill Guerin and their staff, what they're doing. I mean, they haven't done a whole lot to this point that hasn't worked had is Rossi a talent that is you know that could help us yes of course he could I mean it's I mean he is considered maybe the most NHL ready prospect out of the top two in that draft um he's got 34 points in 32 games in Iowa but why not continue to slow cook him and and get those first line minutes power play one minutes he might get those up here he won't get first line but he'll probably end up with someone like Fial and Boldy I would imagine at some point, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he missed a year of hockey and mm-hmm. had that myocarditis and would I like him up here? Yeah, that'd be fun. Maybe he does make the impact that, that they think he would, uh, eventually he will, but there's nothing wrong with slow cooking and letting them, you know, get those games in and get those, those top, top line minutes in. Yeah, I think what it boiled down to for me is kind of what I mentioned off the hop was I don't I don't know that it makes them exponentially better at this moment in time. Obviously, if you know the team starts to go through a scoring slump, if you know they're not finding you know if the power play cools off, if you know, maybe Fiala and Boldy, you know, there's a clear need where Freddie Goudreau isn't working between them anymore, and you don't make a move the deadline to bring in a Giroux or a Hurdle or a Miller or someone to put there, and you're struggling. Okay, fine, bring them up, bring them in. I totally agree. I'm on board. But I think until you hit that point, knowing the cap crunch you have, if, if you can get away with not playing him those 10 games, if you're in a position where you have that luxury of not needing to play him, I think you got to take advantage of that. Because as fans, selfishly, do we want him to be playing and want you know the Wild to be 
you know, going for a cup, yes. But I think we also need to understand from a, you know, their job is not to just look at this year, but their plans down the road. And I, you know, I assume that these guys have some general outline for probably the next five, six years of where they project guys, where they think guys fit in. And there's a bigger plan at place, I think, that we as fans can't always see. And I think that's the other important piece to kind of remember here. So I'll leave my thoughts with that. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like Leiper mentioned, we, if you were on Twitter last night, you probably already saw what I thought as well. But for me, with the, you know, with kind of the debate was centered around with who could be on that line with Fiala and Boldy. And, you know, obviously right now it's Freddie Goudreau. Like, like Brett said, he's good defensively. I don't think he's necessarily elevating those guys to a high level, but at the same time, as we've talked about... He's not holding him back. Like, like he's, I, I don't yeah, think he's holding him back like Rasp was holding back Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... And like you said, he's been good defensively. He skates fairly well. You know, he's better skater than Rask was when he was playing in those positions. And, and you know... And I think Bill Guerin's philosophy, kind of, since he got here, was that while we've all wanted to upgrade the center position, he's thought, well, he doesn't think that you necessarily need the center to be the one who drives the play necessarily anymore. And as we've seen with Fiala and Boley, they both can... Fiala for a long time boldly through his first 10 games. Yeah, and the way Hartman both, slotted in with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, too. It's been the same thing. Yeah. Hartman's not the they're one driving that line. Right. No, he's not. But And I think, you know, with Rossi, too, I mean, like Justin mentioned, he had his health issues last year. I mean, you know, sometimes I think a lot of us forget that. I mean, with his heart condition, he even almost, you know, he almost died. I mean, it's not like it wasn't just a minor thing, like he broke your leg, you heal back up. I mean, obviously, he's performing greatly in Iowa. He looks like he's fully healthy which is great, but, it, you know, as you said, I don't think it's necessarily hurting him either to, as we've talked about many times, to be in that top spot on that team, be their best player, be one of the best players in AHL, and come next year. I mean, like you said, Brett, though, if they get into the playoffs and Freddie Gutierrez is horrible, the fourth line is terrible, they get swept in the first round by the Blues, then, yeah, then... You know, I'll, I'll leave my words. Justin Wilden, we're on. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, for sure. I'll be the first to like I did. Yep. And, yeah. and now I think, uh, just overall, like you said, just wrap, I think... You know, that was a good, that conversation was a good uh, demonstration on how to disagree and, I guess, argue, as Brett mentioned, without throwing insults at people. Because, yeah. after all, we all talk about hockey and something we love. So, I think that was, you know, that was good. And I will mention, too, that uh, at No Salary Retained, his name is uh, Thomas Williams. Thomas, that's he's what it is. The, uh, it's not yeah, a tip of my managing, time. Yes, he's been the managing editor at Hockey Builders the last couple of years yeah. now. So, but, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I think it's... I mean, you can go either way. It's just, it's, like you said, it just depends what your view is. But, uh, you know, I, we'll, I, we'll, like yeah. I said, we'll see. it's not something we can really know until the summer anyway. Exactly, so. yeah. And I, th- I think the common denominator that, uh, you know, avoided any, you know, insults was one mutual respect for another for, for the content and, and being, you know, being wild fans. But also it's that all of us love and adore Marco Rossi in, in every way and, like, yeah. would love to yeah, see right. him here. It's just understanding the logistics 100%. of what him being here would mean is kind of where the, di- right. the, the disagreement was. And, and let's be real, like, <clears throat> we're all wild fans and we all want the same thing. But these, like Bill Guerin and their staff and the coaches, they, they know these players and the, the lineups much better than we do. They know stuff behind the scenes that we might not know. I mean, there's reasons why they're doing these things. Absolutely. Even if it doesn't make sense to our eyes on what we see. For sure. So all things said, we'll we'll see how the Rossi scenario plays out. As Zeke and I mentioned, we'll be the first to eat our words if we're proved wrong, and you know it ends mm-hmm. up, you know not playing him can be determined the reason they hopefully do not. But if they you know for some reason get bounced in the first round or something, we'll be the first to eat our words. You heard it here first. Um, but but moving on from that, um, the next thing I wanted to discuss was another debate that I kind of started myself 
on Twitter with a uh, bold tweet, if you will call it, last night about, and I think we've kind of been pumping these these tires these last two, three weeks here um, regarding Capo Kakinen. And, you know, I think the thing I was saying is that the sample's a little bit small, and I'm at that point now where I'm ready to say I think Capo Kakinen, to me, has emerged as the goaltender between him and Talbot that deserves to be number one going forward. Um is the guy they should look to potentially rely on in the playoffs and should, you know, if I still think him and Talbot should split. I mean, they're going to have to with, you know, the, the 40 yeah. games and 77 days they have upcoming. But to me, it's, you know, it's a 60, 40, 65, 35, maybe at a minimum um, split between those two with Kakin getting the higher majority. Um, and the reason I say, I mean, he's been better in every statistical category outside of games played and wins, which are out of his control because he just doesn't, hasn't played as many games. But I mean, you look at Justin, as you mentioned earlier, how well he played last night, giving up just the one goal. Like that isn't, hasn't been uncommon. I mean, we we saw him steal the game from the Islanders, um, a couple weeks ago, his goal save of expected, I think has climbed all the way now. I think it's like 5.35, um, for evolving <laughs> hockey's model. And I think, you know, Prior to coming in before that nine-game stretch he played, I think it was in the negatives. So, like, that's just how good he's been as of late. He's pulled that number out of the negatives into the positives. Um, and I think he had something in the prospects, too, but a save percentage has popped into the – is it the top ten? Now he's in the uh, seventh. Yeah. I was like, going to bring that up here, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I just, I just think he's earned it. I mean, I don't know other than, you know – Knight's rights of, you know, the Talbot being the veteran and, you know, being the guy they brought in, I don't see the, an argument for why Talbot should be chosen over him as it stands right now. Obviously, that can change. He goes out and has yeah. three duds in a row. Sure. Okay, fine. But I think as yeah. of right now, I think Capo should be the guy. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, he's 10-3-2. He's <laughs> top 12 in goals against average, top 7 in save percentage. He's, Hell, throw him in the Calder conversation. Yeah, man. he's no eligible. Yeah, technically, he's still a rookie apparently. <laughs> but yeah, like something we yeah. post on the young guns. He's he leads rookie goalies in save percentage, top ten in the league. I mean, top seven in the league for save percentage. He has a ninety-four save percentage in his last five games, and almost ninety-four in his last ten. I mean, ride the hot hand. I mean, no disrespect to Talbot. I mean, yeah, he's the veteran, but Kacken has got the hot hand. He he just seems like he's taken that next level of development and kind of mm-hmm. run with it this season. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I, th- I think I agree with you guys the most part. I mean, I've kind of, you know, taken it. I don't know. I've kind of changed my tune, but for a while I've been kind of like, you know, we saw him play a good 10 games last year and then, you know, he collapsed on the stretch, obviously, you know, rookie goalie, you know, all goalies do that. You know, they're not always the, aside from the top elites, you know, you're usually not going to hold that level of play, obviously, over the whole season. But, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty hard, like Brett mentioned, to argue, argue, and you guys with the numbers. I mean, I mean, and if you look, it's not like last year he did beat Vegas a couple times, but throughout his winning streak last year, he was, you know, a bunch of those games were against, you know, San Jose, Anaheim, et cetera. Arizona. I mean, this year he's beating those, yeah, he's beating those teams, but he's also beating good teams. I mean, he was great against Washington when they were down, like, eight guys. Boston he was, as well. You know, yeah, Boston, Winnipeg, you know, and even against, again, New York against the Islanders, he made 40 saves. So, I mean, it's hard to argue against the numbers that he's done. I think, obviously, like Brett said, uh, the playoffs are still a ways away. So, we'll, you know, we'll see what happens between then. And usually NHL teams seem to tend to lean towards the veteran with more experience, as you mentioned. But, I mean, obviously, if if Kappa was still 
has at the end of the year, like an almost a nine twenty five, getting close to nine thirty save percentage, and he's, you know, ends up with like you know he's like twenty five and ten or whatever. It's you know it'll be it'll be hard to argue against him. And I mean, it's just it, it's good, obviously, because when when Talbot went down with his injury originally and was was out, I remember a lot of us were kind of worried, like, oh, what are they gonna you know, what are they going to do? Yeah, like we were talking goal. about, like, do they have to go out and trade for a goalie? Right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. that was in the cards. No. Right. I know it's, it's, I mean, it's amazing. Like you said before how quickly things change. And, uh, and I mean, I don't know. It's just like Justin mentioned, it's good to see his, uh, like you said, his development kind of take another step and, you know, maybe show that from maybe a, three months ago, we all would have thought, oh, his ceiling's probably a backup goaltender. Maybe he actually does have a chance to be a number one and, you know, in a couple of years, have a nice, really nice tandem when uh, Jesper Wallstedt does make his way into the NHL eventually here. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's encouraging to have, you know, like Brett's mentioned with two goalies that you can at least, you know, trust to put in the net. No, they're not going to, at the very least, even though Talbot hasn't been great, he's not usually going to completely tank your chances of winning. And it's great to even have the guy, as you mentioned, who's, who, you know, is the reason you've won games at this point. Yeah, and I will say, you know, going into the All Star break with the shutout, and then coming out, um, you know, I the the two games leading in the All Star break, Talbot played did play really well. He had the shutout in there. I mean, mm-hmm. another solid performance. Looked great at the All Star game. So I don't want to say this isn't me saying Talbot is playing bad. Yeah. I just think Kakinen is playing better. Um, and it's mm-hmm. it's a good problem to have to have two good goalies. I did want to I did want to add that in there. Like this isn't like a Cam Talbot sucks thing mm-hmm. at all. Like it's just a, I think Kakinen just been yeah. better. He's just a, he's just, I don't know, he's, he can be the starter, but he's just kind of like a 1B type kind of guy. Yep. He's not going to be good enough to play 60 games, but like you said, that's why, that's why it's good to have two goalies. Yep. Yep. It's, it's good to have two goalies that aren't Dubnik Stalock type. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's uh, a nice no, even, that. Yeah. This might be, you know, he has such a good defense in front of him that this might be part of it. But uh, I mean, ever since he came here, he's twenty nine, twelve, and three with a two seven goals against average. I mean, some of these games, it's not; it's just him playing unreal. But you know, it does help to have that good defense in front of you. And if we continue to have that, I, I think that we could see him be a one A one B with Wallstead, like you mentioned, Zeke. It's hmm. it's a good problem to have. I, mean, I think the my last. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, see, I think the other interesting thing about the emergence of Kakinen's abilities this year is the off season we know the while they're going to have to find ways to shed salary cap you know if if he can I, I wouldn't say i'm not ready to go this far yet but i think if he continues to play the way he has as much as i love cam i think it might make him expendable in the off season. he's got you know obviously a player like him's going to have trade value there's going to be some team out there that you know maybe want some sort of starter or you know a, a, a number you know, a, a number two to tandem with their whoever their other starter is, um, and the Wild can go out. You know, they you can probably get a decent backup for one point five million, and you save one point five ish on getting rid of on trading Talbot, get some sort of asset back in addition to that cap space, and that salary cap space might be what you need to sign a a Connor Dewar or you know. A, takes half of an Alex Goligoski or, you know, a player maybe you didn't think you're going to be able to slot back in, all of a sudden they have room for him because Capel Kacken improved. He can handle, you know, maybe 60% of the starts next season. So I think that's the really interesting thing at play for me that I will be watching very closely. And, you know, if he does end up being the goalie in the postseason, I think that's a huge sign of what's to come in the offseason as well. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I don't think we should 
you know, obviously his maybe his last half, especially. I mean, I admitted it last week. His last half of the season last year kind of maybe like overly tainted my view of him. And I mean, you look at his his, his stats from when he was in Finland as a young goalie in a pro league over there. He was really good his three years he played over there. And I mean, obviously he was a little inconsistent, but obviously he won AHL goal of the year. So, you know, maybe it, you know, honestly, it's, for me myself, I honestly don't probably not as. I mean, I'm a little more surprised than I should be about how he's played. But I mean, hey, well. Uh, and it's great. There's nothing much more to add to, for me. Justin, anything else you want to add? No, it'll just be interesting to see how the second half of the season goes with these guys. See if yep. they can continue to do what they're doing. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think that about wraps that up. Um, good problem to have to, you know, do you play or do you not play or play a, a really good rookie? Do you, do you hand the reins over to your sophomore slash kind technically still a rookie goaltender over your veteran. <laughs> These are good problems to have. These are the problems good teams have, um, not problems bad teams have. Um, so it's great. Good conversations to have. Um, but no more de- – we're going to continue debating now just amongst ourselves here um, as we move into our draft, which in spirit of the Olympics, um, men's hockey kicking off and wanting to cheer for Team USA, we are going to do a draft of the best all-time American players. Um I didn't predetermine a draft order here, but Zeke, you went first last week. Justin, to avoid you mm-hmm. picking out of the uh, the two spot again, we'll throw you first. I'll hop into the two in the middle. Um, and Zeke, we'll throw you at the three, which a lot of people claim last time was an advantage for me being at the three. Um, we'll see how it, things play out, but we'll do same thing. Go. Three forwards, two defensemen, and a goaltender. Build out your starting lineup. U.S.-born players, I don't know. I don't won't really put a cap on it in terms of when they played. I would just caution, know, know the demographic of the audience, and if you know you're picking someone maybe the younger folks haven't heard of, you could be putting yourself at disadvantage. <laughs> Am I good to go? Yeah, if you want to go ahead and get oh. things started, it's all it's all you. All right. Well, I'm gonna go with. Uh... Second leading point getter of all time of born of, among American born players, uh, Mike Madonna. Yeah, kind of a somewhat of a homer pick there. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um, I will go next here at the two spot. Oh, I've been mulling this over all day. There's like. Kind of like two I've been debating between. Um, but I think I'm going to go with who I think will end up being probably the best U.S. born player of all time, and that's Austin Matthews. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with that. All right, Zeke, now it goes to you. You have the luxury of getting two picks here, so the floor is okay. yours. Yeah. Okay. This is <laughs> this is a tad bit difficult because now I didn't even think about the <laughs> choosing guys that you know have played within the last twenty years. You looking, <laughs> you just looked on the scoreboard and you think you see something like ooh, a thousand points in a game. Yeah, damn good. But he didn't play it since nineteen eighty eight. So, um, hmm. I don't know. For the first pick, let me see a quick look here again on the list. Um, just look at the guys. I mean. Ooh, real quick. Who else was there? 
I mean, I don't know. I think I know he's a little bull, but I I gotta go with Brett Hull. I think he's the next top leading scorer. Just uh, something to do. I don't know. Fast bald. He he is the leading point getter among American getters. Yeah, almost twenty I mean, more. I don't know. He's almost twenty more than Madonna. Played, so. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's not old enough. I think Ronaldo. People know who he is. Man, I feel like well, everyone's yeah. heard of Brett Hull. So that's true. All right, you get another one here, Zeke. And hmm. The next one, I let me just see. I'm trying to decide what's the best strategy. If you want to go, do you want to go all forward or all D quickly right away, or all even in goal? But looking through your quick, hmm. you know, maybe this is the best player. But I'm going to try to do a little bit of strategy with the wild pick. I'm going to go with Bill Guerin. Oh, man. I was going to take him later on and call my first line in the front office line. <laughs> 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 Draft strategy spoiled. Son um, of a gun, Zeke. <laughs> there's a player I want to pick, but I refuse to pick, so I'm not going to take him. Um, here. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> so, one of us will have to. I'm just not going to be the one to do it. Um, but the question is, where do I pivot? Um, I think with my next pick, I'm going to go with another player who I think could be one of the best American-born players of all time who's almost a member of the Minnesota Wild, I'm going to go with Jack Eichel. It's yeah, a good one. People forget uh, it's been a while since he played. But, I know, uh, yeah. He is damn good. He's very good. He's damn good. God, I'm going with the uh, – I might be showing my age with my lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go with uh, the top D-man on this list, Phil Housley. Yeah. I mean – yeah. Another it's another one of us, right? <laughs> you do get another one. Oh yeah, that's right. Um let's see. I think I'm gonna fill out my D man. Maybe. Yeah. I'm gonna take Brian Leach there too. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> American born defensemen definitely aren't um it's plentiful. Yeah. No, yeah. At least in terms of elite, like, Hall of Fame level. Right. The good news is now that I know Justin has a defenseman, I can maybe take a chance and just go to fill out the forwards here. Um, <laughs> hmm. Fill out a forward spot with a defenseman. <laughs> Pull a Kalen Addison here. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't take that guy. I can't do it. can't do it. Uh, I'm I between, I'm like, three about. right now. <laughs> God, they've had a lot of good forwards. It's tricky. I know. I have. <laughs> I feel like I know who one of Zeke's two picks might be if I don't take him. Maybe I should take him. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I feel like because there's enough forwards that I'm happy with, I want to make sure I grab at least one legit blue liner. Um, and you look at how dominant the Detroit Red Wings were when they had this guy and the career he carved out for himself. I think you got to pick Chris Chelios here. Good call. Yeah. I was kind of debating between him and Leach, but yeah. uh, ultimately one with Leach. Zeke, was he on your radar as someone you were going to take there? Did I, did I swipe one from you? 
uh kind of but i was kind of already looking forward probably so all right all right fair yeah. enough all right so this goes back to you you bit. do get two here though you need a center okay um two defensemen and a or not a center a forward i guess okay. um 2d and a goalie hmm okay well now oh just to <laughs> okay i'll ask you that question after actually but uh so the problem is I want to go forward again to stack it up, but then I don't want to be stuck with, like, Ryan Suter and Cam Fowler and D, who are good. <laughs> <laughs> Cam so, Fowler, I love it. <laughs> yeah, there's a pretty steep drop. You know, I think – I don't know if he doesn't have exact point totals yet, and I don't know if he's propped up by his team, but looking through uh, the list defensemen, I'll, I'll go defenseman and I'll grab John Carlson. Okay. And then, hmm. I have another one? Yep. Okay. Let's see. Who's in goal? Is, ooh, I don't want to take that first guy for various reasons. Um, oof, man, there's a lot. Okay, you know what? I'm going to go back to four because there's plenty of goalies. Uh, the U.S. The US has found that they've had a decent crop of goalies. I mean, there's it's a bunch of good ones right now. I've had some good ones in the past. For sure. Hmm. Let me see if one position one guy is quick. Although it doesn't matter. Shoot. Okay, this is getting. Sorry, I'm researching. <laughs> it's tough. Much. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is another. Hmm. I'm going to put uh, Joe Pavelski as my third forward. All right. So, I, I don't know. He's maybe not the. Doesn't have the same eye popping numbers, but. It seems like whenever you're in the playoffs, he's always he's kind of like a Justin Williams, except the American version. Yep. All right. Uh, back to me here. Um, see, Justin needs two forwards, so I feel like I gotta grab my third one here. Um, man, there's still like a bunch to pick from. I still refuse to pick the name that shall not be spoken. Um. <laughs> I feel like I, I I'm gonna go with Johnny Hockey here, Johnny Goudreau. I think one of like the most underrated. Like I feel like he's been very overshadowed, but like the dude has has had an incredible career. I think if he was in somewhere not in Calgary, he'd be a way bigger deal. Um, so I'll round out my forwards with Eichel, Matthews, and Goudreau um, up against Hall, Pavelski, and Garen. So, um, Justin, it goes back to you with two. You need a wing. Or you need two forwards and a goalie. Keeping in mind, both Zeke and I still need goalies. And you have the last pick of the draft. So. Yeah. Not to skew your pick, but... No, you guys are going to make me do this, aren't you? You're not going to make me, but... <laughs> Hard not to. <clears throat> I'm going to go with... Uh, I got two picks, right? Yep. I'm going to go with Mike Richter for goalie. Yep. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> Always gonna do it. To go with Patrick Kane. He did it. He did oh, it. I have to. I know. The thing that I couldn't Sorry, do. Well, <laughs> it's not an endorsement yeah. that you like Patrick Kane. It's just that you do recognize that he has been yeah. one of the best U.S. Yeah. born players of all time. Yeah. Which is fair. He's I agree. The, yeah. I just, I couldn't do it. It's, it's hard. He's fifth on the all-time points list, and he's still going. And I mean, I could have had Eichel, Matthews, Kane, which like. <laughs> 
but yeah. I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't bring I, myself yeah. to do it. I didn't want to, but I I felt like I kind of had to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't blame you. Well, Zeke and I both need the same last two positions, and there's still two mm. goalies that I like quite a bit. So I think I'm gonna go defense here. Um, question is to whom? Wow, the U.S. does not have a history of producing defensemen, do they? Not particularly. Hmm. No, not a ton of them. At least not ones that, I mean, there's maybe some right now in 10 years that you could say are up there. But Yeah, that, that could make their way. Yeah. Do I take a shot on one of those? Do I go with a safe pick? All right, I think... I think my pick here is going to be Adam Fox. Um, yeah, so that's a good one. Obviously just won a Norris Trophy last year. Probably might be in the mix this year. Um, I was also maybe – I mean, I looked at Ryan Suter there, but I feel like there's just a bad taste in the voters' mouths <laughs> on Ryan Suter, so I couldn't go there. Could have done um, a Ryan and Gary Suter combo. I, I could have. I could have gone <laughs> the Suters, the, the uh, uncle-nephew combo. <laughs> um, a couple other names. I looked, you know, I'll, I'll let Zeke make his final D pick, and I can talk about the other names I consider. I don't want to give him any ideas. Yeah. Okay. You do get so your final two picks here. Do you need a D and a goalie? Okay, so I have two in a row here. Yep. To wrap okay. up your team, to add to Brett Hall, okay. Joe Pavelski, Bill Guerin, and John Carlson. Okay. I feel like I don't know. I feel like gotta go D here because I feel like you'd be. I don't know. I feel like there's still a bunch of goalies left. Well, you get two picks, and then you're done. But... So it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was overthinking that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, if you want to um, pick the D first, you can, but it doesn't make a difference either way. Yeah. I- I'm with you. I thought about Suter, too, but, you know, it's, it's too too raw still, as you said. Um, hmm, Looking quickly here. Who? Hmm. Considered Brian McDonough because of the one of us factor, but I don't know if he's quite good enough as some of the other guys. Sure, you don't want Seth Jones. He's older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, hey, he is six four and he does play a lot, so you need those things. You know, this is a bit of a younger pick, but I am going to go on D. I'm going to go with Charlie McAvoy. Yeah, that's a good one. That would be my next one after. It was was either that or Fox before you took him. Yeah, Quinn Hughes, I think, is another one you could have thrown in there. Yeah, oh yeah, um, for sure. That's mm. kind of the other, sure. the other one. Mm. Um, okay. Justin grabbed then, both the old timers that were goats, and then it's like, all right. Yeah, and then, and then it's, <laughs> we're just finally, I think, starting to see kind of the next generation of U.S. defenders. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. get a goalie to wrap your team up here. Okay. So just taking a look here. Seeing that the guy, I mean, there's a bunch of solid ones. Um, hmm. Ryan Miller's a good one, but I feel like he was in Buffalo a lot. And they never they made the playoffs, but didn't go deep a whole lot. So I want to pick him, but and some people might remember his great performance at the Olympics like ten years ago. But I think I'm gonna have to go with Jonathan Quick. Uh, well, obviously, won the cups in LA was great. So that's well taken. That was a very good pick. Yeah, which um, he was number four on my list. Um, so since you both have goalies, it's back to me for my final pick. 
I'm between Connor Hellebuck and John Gibson for my goalie pick. Um, I think Ryan Miller is a good one in there too. Prime Ryan Miller. Um, Corey Schneider, there was a nice uh, post today. I think Jay Fresh had a, um, like showed his goal set above expectable. He was stuck in New Jersey and it was like just nuts. Um, you know, Rick, Rick Pietro was really good for the Islanders for a period of time there. Um, you got Tom Brasso sitting there too. I mean, yeah. could go want to call the cup and yeah, because we'll the one of us pick and go ahead and yeah. swipe up uh, Alex Stalock. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, no disrespect. You, you, uh, you could. <laughs> I think based on my statement earlier in the show that uh, I said John Gibson's one of the most underrated goaltenders of our era. I think I got to pick John Gibson here. Yeah, very good pick. He's not with in it. I He's could have also taken Hellebuck. Years. He's but, good. Um, so. Yeah. All right. And then, Justin, you get to pick from a plethora of forwards to round out your team here. Right. Oh, I do want to add, uh, I know he wasn't picked or thought of really a whole lot, but Tom Brasso was another choice I thought of with goalie. I mean, he's in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, was one of Vesna, a couple cups, one of Calder. So for uh, all the old-timers listening, if you're listening to <laughs> Maybe he would have been someone that they thought of. But uh, with my last pick, I'm going to show my age again. I got to watch all these guys play because I'm older than you guys. by <laughs> 10 years older than Brett and, uh, <laughs> what, 15 years older than Zeke or something. But I'm going to go with Pat Lafontaine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at numbers there, you're like, ooh. That's yeah. Like a, but uh, oh, I, I got to watch all these guys plays too. So Yeah, that's true. It's a different era, and – Mm-hmm. The game's faster now, but these guys were hella good too. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's players. I mean, you look at guys like you know any of the Kachucks. You're gonna do Keith, Brady, Matthew. You had uh, none mm-hmm. of us. You know, Jeremy Roenick, um, Doug mm-hmm. Wait, good friend of Billy Garen. Um, obviously, one of the North Stars legends, Neil Broughton, um, was in there. You know, Zach Parisi could have made a case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bill you know, Paul Stastny, you know, great, great player as well. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a lot of players, Jamie Langenbrenner, like there's a lot of good U.S. forwards. It was, it was tricky, but I mean, I still think, you know, you look yeah. at the ones we took here, Garen, Pavelski, Hull, Eichel, Matthews, Goudreau, Kane, Madonna, LaFontaine. Like, I don't think you can scoff at any of those. Right. Um, well, I mean, you could have, uh, you could have uh, maybe snuck Paul Fenton in there if you really needed. I thought about it. Gone with like Paul Fenton, Mike Madonna, and Bill Guerin line, and just roll with it. <laughs> Is there enough? Oh, if you say, I drew the research to see if we could do this draft, but put together a draft of active GMs and head coaches that were former players. That would be fun. Maybe we have to exclude goalies. I don't know if there's enough out there um, that I can think of, like, offhand. But, like, I think there might be enough to do. Yeah, I'll have to look into it, What if that okay. would be possible. That would yeah. be a fun draft to do. Um, <laughs> maybe we can throw, like, analysts in there, too. That might open yeah. up. Because like, yeah. that, would, that would give you access. To, I mean, that make it unfair. We might have to take Paul Gretzky out of the mix because that would just be unfair. That's a cheat code. Right. <laughs> um, you can include That's analysts, not include time. Gretzky. Uh, but to recap the teams here before uh, we wrap up here, um, Justin's team picking from the from the one slot: uh, Mike Madano, Patrick Kane, Pat Lafontaine at forward, Phil Housley, Brian Leach on defense, Mike Richter in goal. Uh, then it was me from the two slot with my forwards being Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews, 
and Johnny Goudreau. I almost said Freddie there out of habit. Um, <laughs> and then on D, I have Chris Chelios, Adam Fox. In net, I have John Gibson. And then Zeke, picking out of the three spot, goes with Bill Guerin, Charlie Mack. Oh, okay, I'm going to go in on a better order here. Brett Hull, Joe Pavelski, Bill Guerin at forward, John Carlson, Charlie McAvoy on D, and Jonathan Quick in net. Um, watch for that poll to be up probably Friday afternoon. Get that up. Uh, give you guys a chance to vote um, once again on that. Um, and this would be really curious since there is lots of different ways you could go. Send us your um, roster of six U.S.-born players, draft order aside, that, who you think would be the best roster as well. Curious to see what other people think as well um but yeah that should uh about do it here um gentlemen any any final thoughts no i mean just kind of throw away that last game and and enjoy this top five team that we have top three prospect pool and remember that the next four drafts we have all our draft picks minus the seventh round pick this coming draft but we do have an extra fifth from the dubnik trade so i mean Good things are now. Good things are coming. Enjoy it. Yeah, I don't know. For me, just uh, I know there's been, you know, some, let's just say, takes about women's hockey this week uh, from various places. But, you know, I don't know if, if, if any of you have been watching any. I know they're late and early in the morning, but a bunch of the women's games, hockey for the Olympics have been really fun. Obviously, U.S. Canada played today. Canada won 4-2. Uh, I can't remember her name, but the, the goalie made like 50 saves. It was ridiculous, but I think we all we all can kind of guess that that'll end up probably coming down to U.S. Canada the gold medal game again. So, uh, you know, just uh, like like with the Whitecaps too, if you get a chance to check that out, it's really good hockey. At the if you can find the time, uh, I don't think you would regret it. Absolutely, yeah. You know, the the U.S. Canada games never cease to disappoint. They're always entertaining, mm-hmm. and the uh, the pre or not the pre the round robin game i guess we'll call it um the other night was a lot of fun especially that second period where there was just to make there was no goals and then all of the goals and then the rest of the Mm -hmm. game was no goals again um but unfortunately the u.s lost that's okay because they're going to win the important game when it matters um (laughs) here in a couple days hopefully all things considered barring some massive upset but great to see the women's game in the spotlight we're doing our best to continue to highlight that um as well um no final thoughts for me really um might be a little bit quieter night for me on on Twitter. Um, on uh, on Saturday I'll be at the game on the glass, um, so I'm probably be taking that in, cheering on Nino um, to the best of my abilities. Maybe missing Moose <laughs> a little bit. Um, see, it's gonna be cool. I've never sat on the glass for a wild game, so I'm really looking forward to to awesome. being able to do that. But uh, yeah, that's where I'll leave it. So, uh, Justin, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all your work? You can find me at D East 2004. You can find me at C with Kaprizov Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. And Zeke? Uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyett, and you can find all my work at tankyearings.com. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Um, be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. Wild host Carolina on Saturday, Detroit on Monday, and then are in Winnipeg on Wednesday night next week, so probably another Thursday show for us next week. We'll keep you posted on that. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fog.